Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. We have with us today, Pete Van Leer. He is a research consultant with Policy Matters Ohio, which is a nonprofit policy research institute. Pete's focus is on issues of justice reform and education. Policy Matters has received awards from the Ohio Association of Nonprofit Organizations and the Ohio Federation of Teachers, and received grants from the Ford Foundation, George Gunn Foundation, Cleveland Foundation, and United Way of Greater Cincinnati. So welcome today to the show, Pete. Thanks for having me today. Well, what can you tell us about policy initiatives that might be coming about as the result of COVID-19, particularly as it relates to K-12 schools? Well, that's still, uh, I think, very much an open question. Certainly, as, as your listeners might be aware, the uh, federal government has, has come in with some support for K-12 schools across the country, including Ohio. You know, hundreds of millions of dollars to support K-12 and the state support for the school. So that's really important. It's nowhere near enough. And as, you know, in the past couple of months, just for this fiscal year, this school year, which which ends in a few, you know, at the end of June 2020, the state cut $300 million from the budgets for, for K-12 education, right? So that's had an impact. It's not the, um, I think most districts are able to get through. Obviously, they haven't been in session in the same way. So in some ways, they're able to cut some budgets. But it's not a good sign because as we, we're really expecting, you know, a really tough time economically going forward in Ohio and across the country. So what we're, you know, there's a HEROES Act that the House, the federal level, the, the House of Representatives has put forward, and it would provide a lot of support for K-12. The, the Republican Senate has not, uh, is not looking favorably on that. Um, so that's really, there's a need for some pretty strong action. And it really has to come from the federal government because, as you know, the um, state government can't really, it has to have a balanced budget whereas the federal government can spend beyond what it actually has. So it's, it's going to be really important looking to the federal government to provide support and relief to the states during this time. And that's, that's one focus, but the state certainly can do, they can, they can support and think about how they support schools with, with the needs they're going to have during this crisis. And so what would be your message to school leaders, district leaders, because that's, that's really our listening audience here is practitioner leaders. Um, what's your message to them? Well, as a, as a parent of a seven-year-old, my message would be like, please, let's have school, right? But I know that's it's not so easy, right? So I think what I've been hearing from schools is that they're, they're looking for guidance from the state. They're looking, trying to figure out what what they can do given the need to have some distance and, and the cleaning and the mass. You know, I think what we need to do is the state needs to think about how to really support not only flexibility, but also have, think about it through an equity lens, right? So we have the state already, the, the cuts that it made were very equity focused. So the, the wealthier districts got bigger percentage cuts and the poorer districts came off better. So that's both urban and rural poor. So that's positive. I think the state is doing the right thing there. So I think there needs to be some flexibility and some thinking about creative ways to really support schools, public schools, as they approach this and think about how they can most effectively reach their students. So if you have an urban district where there's not very good connectivity for the students, how do you really support the schools 
to engage families, to, to make sure people get, can get online or have, you know, if they're doing a hybrid week, one of the things I've been hearing is they want to do, they're looking in many districts at doing a couple days on, a couple days off, you know, students coming in cohorts, right? And trying to do that so they can keep some distance and keep people safe. Um, not only the, the students, but the teachers and the staff as well. How do you support that? I mean, what do you provide to the schools to, to allow them to do that effectively and to really make sure they're engaging their students, especially lower income students, rural students, just to really think about who needs the most help with that. And it's not going to be your wealthier suburban districts. It's going to be your urban and rural districts that have so many challenges in this moment. Um, so I think it's going to be about flexibility and support and a real strong equity lens for our, you know, for low income students, students of color, rural students who need the most help. Yeah, I'm intrigued by this notion of equity. I and mean, one of the things that I've started thinking about as I've talked to different people through the podcast is that I think it's possible that the pandemic has helped evidence issues that were already there in a more dramatic fashion. Would you agree with that? And can you speak to that? Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. And it's, it's always become this thing that everybody is saying about everything, right? In every area of work of a place like Policy Matters. And, and if you read the paper, it's you almost expect, you know, it's laid bare these inequities. And I think it's very true. And in, in nowhere, no area is it more true than in education because you look at the research and um, I saw a study recently where uh, an article in the New York Times talking about the inequitable impact. You know, like we're looking at students in urban areas where it's really so many fewer low-income students have been really engaged. And if you go to suburban districts, there are people have internet access, they have multiple computers in the home. And we live in Cleveland, but we also have multiple computers. We have good good internet, so we don't really have an issue with that. But I could see throughout the district that that's not necessarily the case. You know, how, how many kids were showing up to class and it wasn't everybody. And I don't know where that falls, but if you look at the research, it clearly shows that the, the wealthier and whiter students were able to engage more effectively and, and the, the wealthier districts and schools had much more capacity to just shift more quickly, right? Whereas in some urban districts, I mean, Cleveland, I keep going back to Cleveland, I think they've done a really good job of trying to do this. They've been feeding the students, you know, and they continue that through the summer. They were sending out packets or, you know, because they knew that not everybody could get online. So if you've, I've heard anecdotally stories of families, you know, like they have four or five kids and one computer or one phone even, right? So how are you going to do effective online learning? Where, you know, so that a district like Cleveland was thinking more about, well, it's remote learning. We have these packets. We're trying to engage students. Um, so I think that that really does surface that issue of who's able to be most engaged in this moment. And, and it's not like all of a sudden this is a problem, but it's been a problem, right? As you said, and I, you know, I'll, I'll let the conversation unfold, but if you look at funding in, in Ohio, for example, which has been declared unconstitutional and not resolved because it favors, you know, districts that have a better ability to raise funds locally, right? So it just is really shining a light on that in, in, in a good way, but it's, it's, it's harsh. It's a, it's a trauma for families and students who can't, for those of us who have the means, it's, it's traumatic enough, right? It's difficult enough. But for families, I think without those, the same ability to connect that we have, and we haven't been touched by the, you know, so many families that have not been touched by COVID and those that have been, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of different angles on this, right? Whether it's 
food insecurity, housing insecurity, you know, access to education, the digital divide, however you want to put it, those are all coming together in this moment um, and compounding each other in, in new ways. So do you see policy change then as being able to use this challenging situation to leverage opportunities into the sustainable future? Yeah, I think this is an opportunity for people to come together and really think about how we work together differently. You know, I mentioned school funding, right? So as, as anybody who worked for a school district in Ohio is aware of the DeRolf case and, you know, how that came about and, and, you know, 500 school districts were involved with that case. And then it went through the Supreme Court process until finally, you know, the Supreme Court tried to remedy it. And then they basically just let go of it. And, it, and the politics shifted and it's really not been resolved. How do you address that? So I noticed in the press release from May 19th, 2020, so just recently, there's just, a, I think, a, a helpful quote there from your senior project director, Wendy Patton, and she uh, states there in the press release, whether we live in suburbs, cities, or in rural communities, public schools are the bedrock of our communities. And, and I guess I just, it's uplifting for me to hear that kind of focus and support and passion for for public schools uh, across the state and I think implied across the country as well. And, and I'm really pleased to hear that your organization is, is so supportive of, of what schools are trying to do. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we raise up when we talk about funding, aside from, from school funding specifically, is that you know Ohio has cut taxes over the past, since 2005, Ohio has cut $6 billion a year through a series of tax cuts, right? And that, that started in 2005, 2013, 2015, 2019. It's an ongoing series of tax cuts that's just robbing us of revenue that could be applied to things like better funding for schools, right? Right now we have a rainy day fund that's not being used. And I understand that I think it hasn't been used yet. I hope it gets used in the coming school year, fiscal year, because that's $2.7 billion that could be used to to resolve some of these issues, these inequities we're talking about, not just in education, but in other areas. But we've been such a tax cutting spree, you know, and so I think that is a really important thing when we talk about how do we solve this? Well, we have to solve the revenue issue first. We have to make sure that we are appropriately taxing Ohioans and businesses. I mean, during the course of time when the state's been cutting income tax rates by more than a third, low-income Ohioans now pay nearly twice as much of their income in state and local taxes as a top 1% of Ohioans. That really, from our perspective, doesn't make any sense. And it's not a way to create an Ohio that works for everybody, for education and every aspect of our policies. Yeah, and I just, I see this here as also part of that press release. I think this relates to what you're talking about with short and long-term solutions. The press release also states that the draft re, uh, reopening plan mentions the deeply rooted social and educational inequalities, inequities rather, within the state's educational system and states that equity must be at the forefront of short and long-term solutions. So uh, it sounds like you guys have a, have a clear message there. Yeah, you know, we have to come together and we have to think as, as Ohioans together about how do we solve this. And that should be, in terms of the education piece, that should be districts across the spectrum. We are all in this together. If you look at, for example, Cuyahoga County, 31 school districts, you know, that's part of the inequity, right? You've got people, you know, they've, they've walled themselves off. Um, and maybe some of your listeners won't want to hear that, or but I'm sure they know it. You know, they, the only places in Cuyahoga County with open enrollment are, as far as I know, Cleveland and East Cleveland. So we accept students 
from outside. And people do actually, a, a fair number of people do come in to Cleveland to go to the schools for different reasons. But, you know, I can't send my kids to Shaker Heights or Lakewood or wherever. And so that's part of those, those jurisdiction, jurisdiction barriers. And that's where that property wealth comes in and they can fund things in certain ways. You've set up this system that puts barriers in place that really are tough to tackle. And the more we can think about how we cooperate, even if those barriers are still in place, um, I think is really important. So what do we advocate for as a group, as a, as a whole of educators in Ohio? How do we work together to raise up the issues, whether it's a need for more revenue or different ways of funding schools? How do we do that? And then I think this is a prime moment for change. Well, and I appreciate you looking at the moment as an opportunity to, to expand connection and support for each other through what's a, clearly a tricky time and isn't going to end anytime soon, as we can tell, uh, as we move forward through the summer and now into the, to the fall, of course. For people that want to get more information about uh, the, the research and services that you all provide there to connect with you further, what's the best way for them to learn more or connect more? Well, so policymattersohio.org is our website. And if you go in there and you can see the research and the press statement, it's all pretty clearly laid out. Um, there's a whole section on education, but also our particular interest, obviously, is the revenue and, and budget um, section that we have. To reach me, you can certainly reach me by email, pvanleer at policymattersohio.org, and I can connect you to, the, to whoever you need to be connected to. We are um, always responsive to people. We're going to be doing some work around cuts in education and what's, what's happening around the state and how districts are looking at this and handling this. So we're always interested in hearing from school districts, whether it's personal stories or gathering data from across a lot of different schools, different kinds of schools. We're really going to be looking at how this is going to affect everybody and how, again, how we can come together to help everybody and make sure that we are equitably treating everybody in this, this state. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time and insight, Pete. And uh, thanks, Pete. All the best. All right. Thank you, David. Brought to you by Ashland University, your partner in the future of professional learning. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons.